0: Well, good evening, Kairos. If we haven't met yet, uh, my name is Cameron. Uh, I am the pastoral resident uh, here for Kairos. It's an honor to be with you tonight. If you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, Kairos is just our attempt to accomplish what our mission is as a church, which is to engage the whole person with the whole gospel, anywhere, anytime, with anybody. I want you to know tonight, if you are here, you are a part of that. If you're a guest, we're excited for you to be here. We're thankful that you're here. I also want to thank Mike Harder. He couldn't be here tonight, um, but we appreciate his leadership. We're praying for him and Tabitha as they get some rest this evening. Uh, Mike has been walking us through a series called God Is, right? Uh, God Is uh, is our attempt to kind of refocus and relens. Uh, our, our perspectives, who, uh, who we're focusing on when we're reading through Scripture. It's, I feel like so often we, we look towards ourselves and what we need to do and how we need to be more godly and do more godly things and what this means for us when I think simply we can instead look to God and try and figure out who we are through figuring out who He is, right? That's what our attempt is. We've been walking through this series for a while talking about uh, God as a loving God, God is love, God is trustworthy, God is good. And in the midst of that, it it might sound a little weird talking about what we're talking about tonight, which is God being a redeemer. You might think redeeming is a verb. That's not an attribute of somebody. It's it's a verb. It's an action that you do. I think we have a chance here tonight to realize that God as a redeemer is talking about redemption being so core to who he is. And so innate to his character that's just as central to who he is as being loving or being good or trustworthy. And so we're going to look there tonight in Isaiah verse 44. So if you're here um, and have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to Isaiah chapter 44. If you're at home, it'll be on the screen there or it'll be on the screen here for us as well. How are we doing tonight? Are we doing good? We're here? Okay, good i going to read chapter 44 of Isaiah, verses 21 through 23. It says this. Remember these things, O Jacob, and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. I'll say the word of the Lord if you say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, in the midst of everything that's happening around us, help us to hear you tonight. to push out all distractions, whether warranted or otherwise, and focus on you. Show us what redemption means by showing us who you are. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear you clearly? Jesus, go before us in the word and make a way. As the prophet Samuel said, and we say together, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. It's a powerful word. I'm going to take a, a quick left turn. I'm scared to death of drowning. Um, just need to air some things. Terrified of drowning. I'm not afraid of swimming. And I'm not afraid of being on a boat. I grew up in Florida. It was kind of mandatory to be around water. I love doing that. I'm terrified of drowning, though. Okay, that's, that's a one sentence by itself. I'm not scared of dying either. I know where I'm going. I just don't want drowning to be the method to get there. That's not gonna, that wouldn't be ideal for me. This probably occupies too much of my brain space, right? I remember uh, the first time I was on a cruise, um, I remember getting to the boat, and the only way that I could come to terms with the fact that I was getting on this cruise ship after seeing movies like Poseidon and Titanic was to just come to terms with the fact that I was probably not going to make it off of the boat, That was my coping mechanism. If I could accept death as I walked across the threshold, I would just welcome it and it would be fine. So if you ever are behind me on a cruise ship and you hear me whispering the words, this is it. As I walk on, on your business because it's how I'm gonna be okay for the rest of the week. I remember uh, the first time I was on a cruise ship, I walked up uh, to the top deck and um, was nervous. I'm also kind of scared of heights. It's not an ideal situation. I don't know why they let me on the boat. But I walked up there, And um, we've been sailing for a little bit, and I look down, and the water's down there. And I can't help thinking that morbid thought that I think maybe some of you guys have thought before. What happens if I fall? Or that really weird one of, like, what if I jumped? Like, have you ever had that moment where you're like, that's not me. Why is, uh, that's odd. Because I would never do that. But it's still in the back of your head. What happens? What if that happens? And I keep thinking about this for the rest of the day, and it's my first day on a cruise ship. I'm not exactly comfortable in it yet, and so I'm, I'm, I'm staying awake that night, feeling kind of seasick. And so that thought in my head was like, what does happen if you fall overboard on a ship? So I go to the internet, as all people do at 2 a.m. when they can't sleep, and I pay for the $30 per minute Wi-Fi that they have on the cruise ship, Um, and I start looking up YouTube videos of, like, what happens? What's the procedure? Someone falls overboard, how how do they live? Like, is that just game over? Because in my mind, it's what the movies say, and you throw, like, a giant orange donut into the ocean, and then what happens? I don't know. It cuts to the next scene, and they're back. Because in my mind, that happens, and you just float away forever. It gives you a chance to wave goodbye to friends and family. I don't know how you get back to the boat. And so I do some research. Uh, Turns out people that are a part of the ship industry uh, have thought of this, and they have a lot of ways to do this, thank God. Um, One of the things that I found out, though, is this thing called a lifeline. Maybe some of you who are clearly smarter than me um, have already figured this out by now. It's a line that is attached to the ship, and it's thrown off into the ocean to the person who's drowning. And as they float away, they can grab a hold of the lifeline. Usually there's a life preserver on top of it, and they can float and hold on long enough. This is cruise ships. This is small boats. Plenty of different um, different ships have this, this on board as, as a way to bring people back to the boat. They can hold on for long enough, maybe not to drown, but also just to hold on to stay attached to the ship as someone comes to rescue them. And that kind of got me thinking a little bit as I was reading these verses, right? So we, we have God as a redeemer. And so often I think of our salvation, my salvation, as life preserver salvation, where God throws this orange life preserver at me, and I grab a hold of it, and now, you know, I'm not drowning anymore, I'm not at risk of going to hell anymore, and then I just sit and float, when in reality, God's salvation is more like a lifeline, See, God isn't in the business of just saving people. He redeems them, and that's what a lifeline is. He gives them the means to come back to the boat, the means to to come back to where he is and be safe in his presence again. And that's what we see here, I think, in Isaiah. You see, redemption isn't just an action for God, it's who he is, right? He's, He's not just saving you. He's redeeming you. And redeeming isn't just a byproduct of your salvation. Redemption is the means of your salvation and the why behind it. He saves us to redeem us as well, and he saves us through redeeming us as well. That might seem a little convoluted, but God didn't have to choose redemption as the way to save us. He could have just prevented us from going to hell somehow, but he does choose salvation and redemption. He does bring us back. That's what redemption is. Maybe some of us don't, and especially me, I haven't thought about the word redemption very much, and in prepping for this, I kind of examined what that could mean. Redemption looks like, looks like maybe for us just turning something in and purchasing something and getting something back, and that's not exactly what's happening here. See, the word "gael," um, which is a Hebrew word that's being used by Isaiah, it's, it's more, of a, it's more of, a, of a purchase that brings something back to where it was supposed to be to begin with. You're not, just, you're not just redeeming and buying something. You're buying something and you're bringing it back to where it was to start. So think of it this way. Maybe if someone who was free was thrown into indentured servitude, maybe you would buy them back. And you buy them back to earn their freedom to go from servitude back to freedom where they started from, right? We studied the book of Ruth a while back and we kind of saw redemption in her narrative so widows, back in the day when, when, when this was relevant and they had to be redeemed, they were part of a family, and then when their husband died, they kind of entered this weird, ambiguous middle ground. But a kinsman redeemer could come and bring them back into where they were supposed to be in the family all along. That's redemption. Which is great. It's all well and good, right? I, I think most of us kind of innately know that, but Maybe the issue tonight with redemption isn't so much of what the word means, but where is it in our lives? We don't think of redemption as something tangible that we hold on to. Redemption is a synonym for salvation, or redemption is exactly what it means, but we struggle with the application of it. Maybe we think things like, well, I've been saved from hell, and that's great, and I don't really see a lot that needs to be redeemed or fixed or bought back in my life to begin with. Or maybe you say, yeah, redemption is awesome, but I don't see a lot of it, either in my life or in the world around us, which might be kind of fair. I think maybe if you're like me, it's, it's yeah, I know I've been redeemed, and that's my identity as a believer, but I'm still pretty messed up. And I know that God can save me from hell, but I don't know if he can save me from me. Where is Redemption. In our lives? What does it mean? And who is God if He says He's a redeemer? Not in action, but in who He is. Maybe you're struggling with all sorts of things sin habits, addictions. Maybe you're struggling with anxieties, self harm, self thoughts that feel abusive. Um, something that's happened in the past. We all have points in our lives that need to be redeemed and that we're longing to be redeemed. Maybe it's something that happened to us. Maybe it's something that we did. Maybe it's something like what we see in the world that we just prayed about today, where we say God is a redeemer, and yet we also have to pray for things like earthquakes in Haiti and COVID that has taken its toll for a year and a half. It's what we're seeing in Afghanistan. It's floods right down the road. And then you think of this and you say, God, where are you? Come quickly. Where's your redemption? How are you gonna turn this one around? Because how can good come when so much bad has happened? And that's where we sit when we hear words like Redeemer sometimes. When we really think about it and we try and match that with reality, it, it feels like we're trying to fit two things together that don't like being together. We all have places in our lives where we long for redemption and where we hope the gospel is true because honestly, if it's not, I don't know if I can bear the weight of it anymore. And that's where this text comes in, where we get to look and hear the words of Isaiah where he says, hey, the gospel is more true than you can imagine. And here's why. Because not only is God a redeemer and does he believe that or do we believe that he wants to redeem us, that he is a redeemer and is going to? He doesn't, just, he doesn't have to do it out of obligation. He, he wants to and longs to redeem. It's who he is. It's his character. God is a redeemer. He's the God of the lifeline, the God that not just saves but brings back. Andrew Peterson says this really well when he says we're evil, Digs a pit, the maker will make a well. That's who he is. And if you hear nothing else tonight from me and write down nothing else, hear and write down this. Our longing to be redeemed is met by God's longing to redeem. Our longing to be redeemed is met by God's longing to redeem. He wants it, it's who he is. So let's let Isaiah tell us why, because it can be tough to see. So in Isaiah, we have a prophet who uh, is come, coming to the Israelites, and, and he's, at, at this point, he's been talking for a long time, 40 chapters on the wrath they've been bringing on. See, Israel has gone through their season of straying. They are looking at, at other idols, other strongholds other than God, and putting their faith in that, and they've been wandering for a while. And so Isaiah proclaims judgment over them for what they have done. And then the exile comes, and calamity happens, and, and they bring their defeat upon themselves, and the worst thing that could have been imagined occurs. Jerusalem falls, the temple's destroyed, and it's over. And then we kind of hear from a different Isaiah starting in chapter 40. See, this is Isaiah in exile, talking to a broken people, surrounded by calamity, and they are probably asking some of the same questions we are. Has God forsaken us? Where is he? Did we bring in ourselves? Is he ever going to protect us again? And this is where that great turn happens around 44, where he starts to say, you're a chosen people. I've redeemed you. He starts calling them out of where they've been. He says words like, remember. Remember the folly of idolatry, the things that you've gone through. Remember how empty that was and return to me, for I've redeemed you. I'm the one that has done it. He does this cool thing. He uses, I think, a great illustration in this when he uses the words Jacob and Israel. I think God's really intentional with his words, and I, I think that's that's an important thing to remember here as he uses both words for what a lot of us remember is the same person. Jacob and Israel are the same human being. We know this. We remember that, right? So in Genesis 25, we know Jacob as this person who, who is a liar, a schemer, right? His name literally means supplanter, the usurper. He's, he's the person that is, is trying to take the blessing from his brother. He's showing favoritism to his wives, and he runs from God as, as hard as he can. And If that doesn't sound familiar to you, it sounds familiar to me, because it's who I am, not just because my middle name's Jacob. (laughs) Coincidence, maybe. It's, It's who I've been. It's me running away from the Lord time and time again and forgetting how good he is. And the incredible thing is God doesn't leave his story there. He doesn't leave my story there. He wrestles and struggles with Jacob, and he gives him a new name and begins redeeming his life. Israel. And through you, I will make my promises come about in the world. That's the story. He says, remember, oh, Jacob, remember the person that you were, Jacob, but you are not that person anymore. Come and live in the identity of Israel. I've redeemed you. This isn't just like an isolated incident. He's doing the same thing for us and calling us to the same thing. And we see this all over scripture, that this is just what he does as a God. This is his game plan, primary move from Genesis to Revelation is redemption. That's his move. That's his bread and butter, and it's never failed him. Over and over again, he's doing this. So if you doubt God's redemptive power, don't start thinking that he just got into the business of redemption when you came along. If you're wondering where is, your, where is God's redemption in my life and in the world, he didn't start in 2021 to redeem. He's been doing this the whole time, and that's encouraging. This is who he is. This is who he's always been, and he's going to keep doing it. We see that all over scripture. In Genesis, we have Joseph who's sold into slavery, and he could have just saved him, but God doesn't just save. He redeems. He longs to redeem, and so Joseph is not only saved from slavery, but he's put in a high place of power to save Egypt and the family that betrayed him. That's the redemption we're talking about here. In Exodus, you have Moses, who's a murderer with a speech impediment, thrown into exile, and God provides for him in the desert, but he doesn't just keep him in the desert, he calls him back to lead the exodus of his people because he longs to redeem. You've got Ruth, which we've talked about, who her husband dies and she's at risk of poverty and starvation and much worse, honestly. And yet our God longs to redeem. So not only does he provide for her through Boaz, he redeems her through Boaz into the lineage of Christ. That's the lavish redemption we're talking about here. And finally, Jesus gives away the heart of the father when he tells a story about a prodigal son who squanders and brings it all on himself, the poverty that he's in. And the son thinks, oh, well, I'll be safe with dad. And so he goes home, and yeah, he is saved from starvation, but the heart of the father is to redeem. And so he is called son, he's given a ring and clothes, and he takes part in the celebration of his own redemption. That's the God we're talking about. That's the redemptive God that we're talking about. Our longing to be redeemed, which we all know too well, is met by God's longing to redeem. He wants that for the world and for you. That's the gospel. He desires us because he wants us and he's just that good and he's gonna keep doing that. That doesn't change at any point. And I think we get it sideways when we shift our focus away from the redeemer and the author of our faith, and towards what we want to be redeemed. Yeah, he's a redeemer, but look at this that isn't redeemed yet, and this is, this is what I'm focused on. We get lost in that brokenness. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're thinking, yeah, that's great, but if you just knew, man, that's good, but if you just knew what I did, or who I am, the people that I've... Been with, the things I've done, the things I've seen, the people I've taken home, the things that I've put in my body, the things I've said to people I supposedly care about. I don't need to know what you did to know what's redeemable, mostly because I know the power of the one who's doing the redeeming. I don't need to know your sins or your struggles or what you've done because I know what Jesus did for you and it was enough. That's the gospel. There's no but after that. I think we get lost in that so often. Jesus knows your sin and your brokenness, and he came anyway, because his desire is to redeem you personally. That's his game plan. It's never changed. From Genesis to now, and through on to Revelation, that's what he wants to do, and it's what he's going to do. Despite the darkness that's around you and in you, what you've done and what you will do, it's the same plan. It's broken pieces made new and made beautiful by a perfect potter. And he's faithful to do it. So as we wrap up tonight, that's, that's where we're gonna sit. Three things, right? Three things that I think that we can probably take from this. Again, God is a redeemer, Well, what does that mean for us? I think, I think there's three comments in these verses that are helpful. The first thing is this, Remember we needed to be redeemed. Remember that we needed to be redeemed. In verse 21, it says, remember these things, O Jacob. And in 23, he follows it up with, God has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. God is calling us to remember the emptiness of where we've been. Some of us don't like to do that. It feels gross. I understand. We don't want to sit there, but he's calling us to remember, hey, this is where you were just who you were. We all have this need to be redeemed, but sometimes we're either too prideful or too blinded by sin to see our own need to be healed. And that's a tragedy. Because in verse 23, he says very specifically, the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. The sad thing is when we refuse to admit that we still need to be redeemed and were redeemed, we rob God of the glory of being a redeemer. How is that helpful? And we try and pretend everything's okay when it's not, and all we're doing is trying to make sure that God doesn't get glory for our redeeming, because we deserve glory for having it all together. God is glorified in your redemption; He will be glorified in Israel. Our weaknesses is turned, or our weaknesses turned into His glory. So don't attempt. To rob God of glory by shying away from your own redemptive process. Good? Next. (laughs) Return because we have been redeemed. Return because we have been redeemed. We needed to be redeemed, and now we have been redeemed. That's true, and we can return because of it. Verse 22 said this, I've blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I redeemed you. For some of us, our cloud isn't really a mist. It's more of like an oppressive fog that we can't see through or see beyond and we'll never see God on the other side of it. And God says, I've done away with that. It's gone, gone. There's no trace, gone forever. I've redeemed you. We can't see past maybe our past or our old selves or old sins and so we live there. I am who I was despite what God said. Maybe you think that in thought. That, that, that's, that's who I am. I sit there and I think of what I've done. Maybe you think that in deed where you act the same way. I'm gonna continue acting in this way because it's just who I am. Remember the sins of Jacob, but don't stay there. Don't, don't dwell in the past. You can return to him. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can return to him and you can keep returning to him over and over and over and over and over and over over again. He's just that good. You aren't Jacob any longer, so stop acting like it. Stop thinking it. It's not who you are. Remember, oh Israel, he's, he's getting glory from that. So don't live there. And the cross was too costly, and God was too good to live the life of a dead man. So get up and walk. Live. He has redeemed, and He's redeemed you for it. Don't diminish God's salvation by pretending it comes without redemption. You can come home. Last thing is this rejoice because we're still being redeemed. That's good news. Rejoice because we're still being redeemed. Again, we're called to sing, O heavens, and shadow O depths, and, and shout to the mountains and every tree in the forest because it's just that good news, right? But maybe tonight you feel like you've seen past redemption, right? But maybe you feel like you should be just a little bit further along than you are. Maybe the word redemption doesn't feel so great because it reminds you that you should be redeemed. Why are you living like this? You should be redeemed. Really? You, you're calling yourself redeemed? After what you did last night? After who you are? And when you get locked in this thing where you're struggling, or maybe you're struggling to struggle at all with what you're doing, and you're stuck in sin, what throws you into shame and defeat and discouragement because of who you're supposed to be. And you you are called to be that, but you feel like a fraud. But you're still waiting for God to redeem something that was broken in your life or or went astray at some point. Maybe you're still waiting for God to, to make a tragedy good again, a divorce, uh, some kind of abuse, big or small, a broken part of your story, and you're wondering, where is that redemption? Or maybe you're just skeptical because you see a lot of wrong out there, and you don't see God's redemption in that Bog said it best I'm going to say it again hear the voice of the Lord tonight I have not forgotten you I haven't he hasn't and he won't he never will he's not abandoned his redemption of you or his redemption of this world not in Nashville not in Haiti not in Afghanistan nowhere nowhere And we can live in that truth. We can't live in the other truth or the other lie that he has, that he will. He's promised, as he has in Romans 8, that he's gonna work everything for the good of those who love him. And he has been doing that and will continue to do that for you specifically. He's given us the grace of God to embrace that. Because here's the thing, when we struggle and face temptation, we face trials, and we'll wrap up here. It can feel so discouraging, but he's given the grace of being a redeemed person so that we can face those things, and even when we succumb, we can have hope for tomorrow. That voice that condemns you doesn't get final say. Never has. He has the last word, and his word is redeemed, and he's going to keep doing that. So you can feel a breath of fresh air tonight because, yeah, you're not where you're supposed to be, but God has promised he'll get you there whether on this side of eternity or the next, your salvation and your sanctification is a promise. I think Eugene Peterson, when he was translating First John, says it best. He says this, real love is the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. Oof. This is great, but for God is greater than our worried hearts, and knows more about us than we know about ourselves which means he knows how wicked we are, but he also knows our future in him and that future is a redeemed one. So as we close tonight, here's, here's the thing. Um, this is how we, how we all respond to the gospel. Um, we have two choices, right? We can do this or we cannot do this. We can listen to God as redeemer and say, yes, that's who he is and live like it, or we can go a different direction. We can read stuff like Isaiah We can continue denying our need for redemption and ignoring God's redemption and the calling that he has because we want to say we have it all together, even if we don't. We can keep doing that. We can continue finding our identity in our past, right? Reliving the same mistakes over and over and over again and refusing to believe that God is good enough to redeem you. We can keep doing that. Maybe we can continue living in defeatism about our own sin and the world around us and failures and marking your life by your continued struggles and marking the world by its brokenness instead of what Christ did. We can do that. But what if we lived like God longs to redeem us? Not just has to, but he longs to redeem us. What if we We throw ourselves at the foot of the cross because we know that we need redemption. What if we rejoiced and returned knowing that he's redeemed our failures and that that person is dead and gone? And what if we live life like we have hope for tomorrow because that tomorrow looks just a little more like Christ through our faith and his mercy? That's a hope we can live in. That's a God who longs and is faithful to continue longing for our redemption. His work isn't done, and he's faithful to complete it. That's a promise, that's a promise to you and me. Amen. We're gonna take 120 seconds like we always do. Our habit is to preach the gospel clearly, and then we wanna give your soul some space to respond to what you heard. I hope it was clear but the Holy Spirit will make it even clearer to us in these moments. Here's a few questions for us, just to think through maybe. First is this. Where do you need to confess and remember your need for Jesus? Your need for redemption. Where do you need to remember that? The next, where do you need to live in your new identity? Remember that you have been redeemed and that God has healed And we'll continue that. Finally, what are you still waiting to be redeemed? What are you still longing to be redeemed? And where do you need to trust that God is longing to redeem that thing as well and that he'll do it? So let's listen in to the Father together. He'll be faithful to meet you where you're at. Let's listen in.